Jeremiah 1, 11 through 19. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. The word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, what do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, out of the north disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord, and they shall come. And everyone shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, against all its walls all around and against all the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil in forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worshipped the works of their own hands. But you, dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you, Aaron. Well, for those of you I don't know, my name is uh, Andrew Jones. I'm the campus pastor here at the, the Leewood campus, and it's good to be here with you today. So I want you to indulge me a little bit as, as we begin. I just want to play a, a game with you. Have you guys ever done this optical illusions uh, kind of, what do you see? So uh, here's, here's, a, here's the first one. So who, maybe you've done this before. Who sees an old lady in this picture? Okay, who sees a young lady in this picture? Okay, a little, leaning a little young lady in here. That's fine. Um, okay, next one. All right, who sees the rabbit? The rabbit. Who sees the duck? Yeah, more, more ducks. Okay, now who sees a cute kitten? Yeah, that's, there's no, that's just a cute kid. There's no illusion there. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, our, our text this morning, if you, um, if you remember, it begins with, Jeremiah, what do you see? What do you see? This question. Um, and it's a really important question, actually. And uh, Henry uh, David Thoreau is an American novelist. He, he put this so well. It's so relevant to what we're going to talk about today. Uh, he said, it's not what you look at that matters. It's what you see. And uh, these little tests, you know, they're, they're fun, and, uh, but they also remind us, it's a powerful reminder that, that we can be looking at the same thing and see and understand and believe very different realities. You know, from as mundane as, you know, do you see the, are you a glass half full person or a glass half empty person? Uh, when things don't go as planned, are you a, that's an opportunity for growth person or, or are you a, man, that's an obstacle in my way kind of Person. It depends on our personalities, right, our upbringing and how we see those different things, those different realities. And then there's really important stuff, too, in what we see. When you look at disasters and evil, things like hurricanes, things like mass shootings in Las Vegas, what do you see? What is that? When you see stunning beauty and love in the world, when you see you know, Yosemite Valley, when you see, for the first time, when you see a sunset over an open Midwest sky, when you uh, see a mother holding her child for the first time, what do you see there? What is, what is that? 
Do you see randomness and chance? Is that all there is? Or do you see order and design? Do you see desperation and hopelessness? Or do you see hope and endurance? Do you see meaning in any of this? Or is it all absurdity? Is it all random? What, what do you see? This, it's a very important question for, for every one of us. And God needed Jeremiah in our, in our text this morning to see something. That's the point of this whole text. It's, it's not just look at something, but to see it. And Jeremiah, if you weren't here with us last week, we started this series last week. Jeremiah um, is a prophet of God to Judah, his, his people, God's people, as well as some of the surrounding nations around Judah in the time of the 6th century BC. And, and the book of Jeremiah, the book that bears his name, it, it's really an anthology. It's a record of his speeches, of his visions, his sermons, and some, even some poetry that, that he's written, as well as um, the event, some events of his life as, during his ministry. And I won't go into too much detail on the background there. We, we covered that a lot last week, uh, Tom did. But, but Jeremiah's life, just so you know, just so you remember, it was really, really hard. He's kind of known in tradition as the weeping prophet. So yeah, he, he went through some hard stuff. He was probably, during his own lifetime, the least popular preacher, pastor, prophet in, in the whole land. Uh, you could even make a case in the whole Bible he might be the least popular during his own life, uh, during his ministry. And last week we talked about how God, how he needed uh, God's powerful call on his life to persevere in his task. That's why we've called this series Life a Task Too Big for Us. He needed to hear God's call. What God was asking Jeremiah to do was way bigger than anything Jeremiah could do on his own. And if you didn't listen to that sermon last week, I encourage you to do that. But this week, hearing is not enough for Jeremiah. Jeremiah needs to see something before anything else can happen. At the very beginning of this book, before he gives a before he gives a prophetic word to anybody, right? He needs a vision. A vision that will sustain him with, in the midst of incredible doubt and fear and opposition. When he will want to give up and run away, he needs a, he needs a vision. And, and so do we. We need a vision. And, and I, what I don't mean by that uh, is some uh, supernatural vision, right, that's going to tell you who you're supposed to marry or what job you're supposed to take. <laughs> You know, part of Jeremiah's unique calling as a prophet is he had this unique communication with God that we uh, may or may not have. But even, even Jeremiah, here's the real point, even Jeremiah, before his, his, his calling to, you know, to, to see unseen motives in people by God's help, or before he goes out predicting what kings and armies are going to do, he doesn't yet need a vision of the future. He needs a vision of God. Who is God? What is he about? That kind of vision. God knows he needs that, and he knows that we need it too. So as we look at our text this morning, what do you see? If you haven't turned there yet, uh, pull, out, pull out your Bible. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. Uh, I'm going to reread verses 11 and 12 uh, really quickly for you. This is the first thing Jeremiah sees from God in this story. Verse 11. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. And the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. Now, almonds are a lot of things. They're a really healthy snack, if you didn't know. Um, what in the world do they have to do with God's word? <laughs> maybe you read that and you're like, what is this? Uh, what? Maybe you were confused. Here's, here's the thing, okay? I use this as a reminder. This is a healthy reminder that, that 
the book of Jeremiah was written about 2,500 years ago, and it was written in a language called ancient Hebrew. So it, sh- it shouldn't surprise us uh, when we read God's word sometimes to kind of scratch our heads and say, what, what in the world is this talking about? That's why we have to dig a little deeper sometimes. So, so here's what's going on. Uh, in the Hebrew, in, this, in these verses, um, the Hebrew for almond is shaked. And it sounds like the Hebrew for watching, shakod. So Jeremiah says, I see a shaked. And God says, you've seen very well. I'm going to shakod over my word that I've given to you, that I've entrusted to you. See, it's a word play. Now, maybe you're thinking, thanks for that free Hebrew lesson, Andrew, but what does that have to do with Jeremiah? It still doesn't make sense. Why an almond tree? Why is he pointing to this at all? And, you know, we don't know this for sure. But the way I picture this happening, this story, uh, Jeremiah, like, receiving this for the first time, my hunch is that Jeremiah is walking around his hometown. um, And he saw something like this. He saw an almond blossom, an almond tree, which in, his, in, in, in Anathoth, his hometown, uh, was very common. In, in the region, it's very common. It's the climate and the, the soil was very good for, for almond orchards and, and almond trees. So it's still true today. So, here, so he sees this. And the thing about almond trees uh, is that they are one of the first to bloom even in the midst of winter before spring. They're one of the first uh, to flower in winter, even when it still seems like the dead of winter, and perhaps that's the time of year where Jeremiah receives this, when the, when the almond tree starts to bloom, you know that spring and sun and warmth and life are on the way. It's a, it's a harbinger. It's a, it's a signpost to encourage you when you feel like winter will never end. <laughs> and, uh, you know, here in Kansas City, that's when your allergies start acting up. That's the harbinger of when spring is coming. We have these moments where we know... And God, is, it's, he's reminding Jeremiah in this vision, when you, when you see the almond tree in bloom, remember I am fulfilling my word to you. My promises to you. Even when there seems to be no life at all, even when everything else around you says that I've abandoned you, I'm working. I will keep my words to you, Jeremiah. Do you see it? Do you get it? Do you see the almond tree for what it is? Where where do you look when you doubt? Where do you look when you doubt God's promises? Not if you doubt, when you doubt, because you will. And Jeremiah will. Listen, I want you to listen to this. This is Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations, which he wrote uh, in chapter three. This This is words from Jeremiah. He's talking about God. He says, he, God, has walled me about so I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry out for help, he shuts out my prayer. Okay, that's Jeremiah. Incredible doubt. Incredible pain and suffering in his life. God knew Jeremiah would go through this. So early on, he calls him back to this almond tree, and he calls us there too. He says, do you see it? Even in your doubt, do you see what I'm doing? Or do you, like me, sometimes do you just distract yourself from that, those unpleasant thoughts with TV or screen time or sports or whatever? Or busy schedules, throw ourselves into work. We'll do anything and everything to numb ourselves to, any, to those deep doubts about God and what he promises to do. 
In the midst of broken relationships, broken marriages, deep loneliness, wayward children, bullies we encounter at school, whatever life is throwing at us, do we look anywhere and everywhere to dull our anxiety? Or do we see the places, and here's what this image is getting at, do we see the places where God's word is bringing life even in very small ways? Almost unnoticeable ways. See, here's the most profound thing about this image to me, this vision that Jeremiah receives. Uh, it's how ordinary it is. If you read, if you read other prophets in the Old Testament, many of them receive quite dramatic visions of God early in their, their ministry. So you think of Isaiah. He sees God in his throne room and he's almost undone by it. It's so overwhelming the power he encounters. God reigning over the entire universe. You think of Elisha in uh, 2 Kings. He's surrounded by an enemy army and God opens his eyes right to the spiritual realm and he can see armies of angels protecting him. That's right, he can draw strength from that. And then Jeremiah gets an almond branch. <laughs> and it's small, and it's normal, and it's, every, it's almost boring. It's so mundane. God is saying, Jeremiah, in the midst of your doubts, and our doubts, see me at work all around you now. Even if it feels like the dead of winter in your soul, I'm working. And some of you I know, you're, you're, that, you're there. There's, there's hopelessness creeping in. There are things happening to you that you can't explain and you can't square with who you think God is. And his promises in scripture, when you hear them spoken or in your, you, they ring hollow to you, you look around, you see a world of barren trees, leafless branches, fruitless prayers. And you're wondering, who am I talking to? Is anybody even there? And God says, don't look at the dead trees, look at the blossoms. Look to the little things in your life and around you that I'm doing and know that I'm there. I know it feels small, I know it feels insignificant, it's not. The season's changing. Stay with me. I can do this, God's saying, stay with me. And we need that, don't we? And we I need that. That God, even in the midst of our doubts that he's working, that spring is coming, that his words to us, his promises to us will not fail. The timing may not be ours, but they will not fail. Doubts are not Jeremiah's only problem, though. They're not our only problem. He needs, a, he needs another vision, too. Um, Jeremiah, at least as I read this, right, he's, he's still walking through his, his hometown, his village. He, he moves on from the almond trees, and he sees uh, someone boiling water to cook over an open flame. Not, again, not an uncommon thing to see at this time. And, and it's boiling so intensely that it begins to boil over. Uh, and the pot is, you know, probably sitting on coals, and so it's not perfectly even. And, and so it, uh, when it spills over, it, uh, the water comes out away from the north toward the city of Jerusalem. And God asks Jeremiah again, right? And when this happens, Jeremiah, what do you see? This verse 13, Jeremiah says, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. And the Lord said to me, out of the north, disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north and they shall come 
and everyone shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls all around and against all the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil and forsaking me. God says, here's what you actually see, Jeremiah. You see my judgment coming against my people. And you, Jeremiah, your job for your whole life will be to tell this vision over and over and over again. And this, this is every pastor's worst nightmare, that call right there. This is the last thing a preacher wants to talk about. That, that is not a new thing. Jeremiah, he, he does not want to see this. But God says, you must, you must see this. And for generations, uh, just to give you some background here, God's people in Judah had been rebelling against him. They'd been ignoring God. They'd been worshiping other gods, idols that they've made with their own hands. They've been committing terrible atrocities uh, to each other, incredible injustices toward the poor and the vulnerable in their midst. And we're going to talk a lot more about what that all looked like next week, so I'm not going to share too much right now. But I want you to see this. God is saying that that Babylon, the kingdoms to the north, he's saying Babylon, that rising superpower in the region, Babylon, will invade Jerusalem, Jeremiah, and completely destroy the city. Completely. Not one brick will be on another. It will be completely raised to the ground. And Jeremiah himself will live to see that day. In chapter 39 of his book, you'll see it there. And his job will be to preach this vision, or some version of it, to God's people for 40 years, saying, repent, repent. Come back to God. But don't miss this, okay? Even though Babylon is God's instrument It is God himself who calls to judge his people. God says to Jeremiah, I am calling the kingdoms of the north. Jeremiah, do you see what I am doing here? Do you understand? See, this is absolutely, that that moment has got to be terrifying for Jeremiah. I cannot imagine receiving a vision from God saying, your people, your homeland, your country will be destroyed by your mortal enemies. But honestly, Jeremiah, just he didn't need a vision to see this coming. Okay, uh, Everybody at the time, everybody at the time saw the menace of Babylon growing in the north. Uh, they understood the geopolitics. They understood what was happening. In fact, uh, even uh, most of Jeremiah's enemies in his story are actually false prophets in Judah uh, who are telling the people, no, 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 no. I know Babylon is scary, but don't worry. God's going to save us. Don't worry. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Don't worry about Babylon. Jeremiah is saying, no. You should worry about Babylon. But everybody, you know, even if they wouldn't admit it out loud, they saw the threat. They, they understood. Everybody understood. Jeremiah didn't need a vision to see evil brewing in Babylon. But what did require a vision for Jeremiah is to see that that evil, that tremendous, powerful, superpower evil, had limits. That vision, right, that, that even evil... That, that evil to come was allowed in God's plan for rescue and redemption because no one saw that. No one saw that. Notice this is not the vision that Jeremiah gets here. It's not a sea of evil. It's not a, it's not a storm of evil. It's not a hurricane. It's a pot in a specific place, in a specific time, for a specific purpose. It's, it's not more than that. and It's not less than that. God is not causing the evil here, but he will allow it for a time to purify his people and draw them back to himself. 
evil in God's story. It doesn't win. It's not equal to God. It has an expiration date. He's going to deal with it. But God allows it to continue even today in our own lives as a part of his rescue plan. And listen, I'm not saying this is easy to hear. It's, it's, I don't get it. <laughs> Jeremiah doesn't always get it. He will struggle to wrap his mind around this vision. And he'll wrestle with God back and forth. God, is this right? Is this, is, are you still good? <laughs> are you bigger than evil? Because this, this is terrifying, God. I'm scared. You'll hear that in, in Jeremiah. Where do you look when you're afraid of evil? Where do you look? There's so much to be afraid of in our world. I don't think I need to spend a lot of time convincing you of that. And I'll tell you, the older I get, um, right, not much has changed since, since the days of Jeremiah. The older I get, the more tempted I am to look at natural disasters and mass shootings and geopolitical turmoil and financial ruin and wildfires and think and wring my hands and even subconsciously to say to myself, God, even you cannot do anything about that. Does that sound familiar to you? What do you look to in that moment? Do you look to politics to solve our problems and control evil and make sure everybody's okay? Do you look to money? If I just have enough saved, if I'm secure enough financially, I can spend my way out of my problems? Do you, do you run away from the world and hope that evil that you found there doesn't follow you wherever you go next? Do we, do we just look at the pot and despair? Or can we shift our eyes to the one who holds it in his hand? Eugene Peterson, he wrote a book called Run with the Horses. He says this better than I can, so I'm going to quote him. He says, if we forget that the newspapers are footnotes to the scriptures and not the other way around, we will finally be afraid to get out of bed in the morning. And too many of us spend far too much time with the editorial page and not nearly enough time with the prophetic vision. We get our interpretation of politics and economics and morals from journalists when we should be getting only information because the meaning of the world is most accurately given to us by God's word. To be God's people in a world tormented by evil, we need the vision. The vision that only faith can give because this is a very difficult truth that evil, no matter how sinister, no matter how Large, no matter how insurmountable it seems to us, it is not larger than the plans of God. It will be defeated. It will end. And in the meantime, because we know that, we can get to work as redeemers. And that's exactly what God says to Jeremiah after this incredibly overwhelming vision. In verse 17, he says, now dress yourself for work, Jeremiah. Get ready. Yes, there's evil coming, and yes, I'm allowing it as a part of my plan, but Jeremiah, you have a message to give. So go. Share, share your message. Be agents of redemption now. See and remember that God's word will not fail. And God's power is bigger than the evils we face. And we of all people should know how serious on the one hand that pot of evil really is. We have the categories to understand just how bad that really is. 
And at the same time, we of all people should know better than everyone else that that evil has limits. It is not the final word. It can hurt and it can cause incredible pain and suffering, and it does. But what it cannot do is stop God's plan of redemption in our world. We need this vision, okay? And the world needs us to see it too, for their sake. But we need to see one more thing. It's not a vision, actually. It's, it's an image. It's a promise that Jeremiah receives. I'm going to read from verse 18. It says, And I, behold, I, God, make you this day, Jeremiah, a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they will not prevail against you. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. God promises Jeremiah, if you stay with me, if you trust my words to you, I will make you an unshakable stronghold. I will make you an unconquerable fortress. Jerusalem and all her beauty and grandeur and history and tradition and culture, Jerusalem will fall. Her gates will fail. Her temple will be destroyed. Her palaces will be burned to the ground. But you, Jeremiah, you will be an iron pillar in the midst of all of that. I will make you indestructible. And Jeremiah, right, he's hearing this. <laughs> he's got to be thinking, me? me? No. I'm still a young man, right? I'm in my teen. I can't even drive yet, God. <laughs> I'm, a ki- I, I, I'm not a warrior. I'm not a leader. I'm just some kid from a nowhere town in a nowhere kingdom. I have not yet preached a word to anyone yet. And I am already overwhelmed by what you're showing me. I am anything, God, but what you describe here. And we feel that, don't we? We struggle to believe what God says about you, to you. Like, there's no way I can do this, God. It's too big, it's too much. Where do you look when you're overwhelmed? Jeremiah is overwhelmed in this moment. Where do you look when you're overwhelmed? Do you look at, here's our tendency, is to look at ourselves and to look inside and to hope that the wisdom and the strength and the power and the plan is somewhere hidden in there. And what we usually end up finding is, no, it's, it's not. Do you escape? Do you run away from your issues, your conflicts, your problems, your grief, your pain? Do you Do you pray to God to just take it away? God, just, I don't want it. Or as Jeremiah did, right? God, don't send me. I'm only a youth. Anybody but me. Or do you look at the God who makes you strong? Even in your weakness. The only difference between overwhelmed Jeremiah who says to God, anybody but me, no, 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 no. And the strong Jeremiah who cannot be overthrown at the end of this story is the promise that God makes to be with him. That is the only difference. For I am with you, declares the Lord. And when God says to you, I am with you in faith, you become more powerful than armies. You you become stronger than nations. Nothing can prevail against you. That's God's promise to Jeremiah. It's his promise to us. If those words sound familiar to you, 
Jesus will pick them up 2,000 years after Jeremiah, and he will look at his church in Matthew 16, and he will say, I will build my church, that's you. And not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. Jesus says, not, not the worst that evil and hell can throw at my church will make a dent in what I'm doing there. Empires, armies, nations, kingdoms, dictators, evil, these things will come and go. But you, you will endure forever. Why? Because I'm with you. And, and that kind of strength, that kind of resolve, that kind of permanence, that kind of staying power in this world has nothing to do with you. And it has nothing to do with me. God's promise to Jeremiah is not you will become a superhuman. He, he won't become that. His promise to Jeremiah is not that you will avoid tremendous suffering and doubt and pain. Because for 40 years, Jeremiah will work as a prophet and he will experience incredible suffering. And the church for thousands of years has done the same thing. No doubt, you've experienced in your own life the worst the world can throw at you. We are still weak and frail, and so was Jeremiah. And God knows it, and he sees it. He says, yes, you are not adequate for the task, but I am, and I am with you. Watch me. Watch me do this. And here's the thing. Even Jeremiah, for, every, for all the amazing things he witnessed and saw and heard in his lifetime, he did not see what God would ultimately do. He didn't. Because <clears throat> 2,000 years ago, right, Jeremiah saw an almond tree in his life. 2,000 years ago, the world saw another tree. Different tree. It was another tree of fulfillment. It was another tree of judgment but it was not in a vision and it was not in a dream. This was in human history on a hill that we call Calvary. And for thousands of years, the world has looked at that tree and debated what exactly did we see there? What happened? What does it mean? And many see a delusional prophet like Jeremiah who failed to turn God's people back to biblical Judaism. Many people see there a good, wise, humble teacher who was just kind of on the wrong side of, of, of Roman power. And many see, if, if we're really honest, they see a blip on the radar that is hardly worth a second look. Do you want to know what I see? I see the God of Jeremiah fulfilling his promise to each one of us. I see the God of judgment pouring out on himself the boiling rage of hell. And I see the unshakable God, the immovable God, the unconquerable God becoming vulnerable, killable to woo us back to himself. You see, if you see that, this is a vision so powerful that I know even in my own weakness, which is real, my inadequacies, my doubts, my fears, despite all of it, nothing will prevail against that Jesus of mine. And he doesn't just say, I'm with you, does he? No, he proves it. That's what I see. Uh, what do you see? Do you see it, church? 
Do you see what this really is? Let's pray. Father, we come before you in all of our weakness and frailty and doubt. Many of us probably wondering, God, are you even there right now? We come to you with all these things. And God, we ask for a vision. (laughs) Remind us, God, that your word does not fail. That your plan is good. And that you will be with us. And you proved it in your son, Jesus. And there is nothing, there is now nothing because of his victory that will prevail against us because you're with us. God, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.